0: Well, hello everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us wherever you are around Australia, around the world. We do appreciate you taking the time to listen to us talk about golf and our love of golf. And we hope that you're love your, are loving your golf too at the moment. I've got Magic Mike joining us tonight. He is fresh back from his uh, first ever big media trip to Queensland. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and the outcome of the Oz PGA. It's the continuation of the Australian Summer of Golf. We've got the Oz Open this week. And we've also got another tournament that starts directly after the Oz Open, the Cathedral Invitational. I've been lucky enough to grab David Evans. Now, David Evans is the owner of the Cathedral uh, Golf Club. He is the founder of the Cathedral Invitational, and he was kind enough to give us half an hour of his time to talk about the Cathedral Invitational. So, we're going to pack all that into one episode. Let's get Mike on board. Magic Mike Caridi, how are you? Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast, Uh, fresh back from doing your first ever media tour of duty uh, up in Queensland. How was that, mate? How are you?
1: I'm excellent. It was very hot, very hot coming out of Melbourne, heading into uh, Gold Coast for a few days with some mates, playing a little bit of golf, and then um, up to Brisbane, and Brisbane was a lazy 35 degrees, so that was very warm, 15 or 16 in Melbourne.
0: Well, for those that are listening around the world, it's the door of, you know, knocking on the door of summer here and it's been sort of tops of 13, 14, 15, 16 degrees up until maybe a week ago when Mike went away to 38 degrees. So it is, you know, a little bit of a bit of, bit of a weather shock for the young man. But Mike, out with the weather, how was uh, Royal Queensland? How was it? How did you find it? You know, you're waving your media pass around last week. Uh, how was it? <laughs>
1: it was good fun. Um, it was it was different. It was I think I said on last week's pod. I think I'd been on the one of the practice days. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a, a flashback to heading out to a tournament and watching a bit of live golf, which we haven't been able to do here in Australia for a little while. Um, it was enjoyable. Um, the media pass was great. Got um got to park down underneath the um, under the bridge there, in the background next to my photo that I'm online at the moment. Um. And walk onto the course and just have a bit of a look around. Probably didn't didn't um, go too crazy with getting inside the ropes and things like that too often. Did get to walk uh, walk around with Herbie for a few holes on uh, on the pro am day, which was great in, uh, with uh, Jamie and Dom. Um, but other than that, really just sort of just st- try to stay out of everybody's way, out of the out of the guy's way, and just you know get a bit of um try and listen to, into a few different conversations about how they're looking at playing holes and things like that, and then i just
0: watching some great golf swings. Now, of course, we talked to you last week after you'd already been a guest, but how did uh, the rest of the P J pan out for you? It Did it go the way that you expected? Was Cam Smith the unbackable favourite in the Data Lake or did it throw up a couple of smokies? When you look at the the results, I think it was a tournament where yeah, the cream, I mean, the cream rose to the top pretty much.
1: Look, it did. Um Cam Smith was for me the unbackable favourite. I think he was about four dollars fifty or five dollars, and he won as as a four dollar fifty favourite would in a in a hundred and twenty man field. Um, I think it, it. I think Min Woo giving it a, a late run was great. Um, there was a few names up there that I think that I won't say that the organisers would have been super wrapped with, but I think the final group of um, on the final day. Um, can't remember who the final group was. Now it was it was Cam Smith. And then it was, I think it was, it wasn't. Uh, it was Mashiro Kawamura and someone else. So the probably two in the in the final six players on course, two of the two of them I don't think many people would know that well. So that that probably didn't help. Um, whereas in the second to last group, it had I think it was Jason Scrivener, Minwoo Lee, and um, someone else. So. Yeah, I wasn't Jim Morgan was somebody. So I think that they probably would have preferred those bigger Aussie names in the final group because it felt a little bit disjointed because you had Cam Smith in the group with two guys that most Aussie golf watchers don't know and then a group of three guys that were kind of chasing. And also on the Sunday you had two weather delays which broke it up a little bit. So I think that all made it a little bit of a stop-start finale. But yeah, but definitely the right man won in the end.
0: Uh, just continued to prove... What level of quality golfer he is, and the global, you know, I'm not sure mm. where well, I'm not sure where his OWGR has slipped out to, and so, somewhat, uh, somewhat I think irrelevant number, number three number, or something. Number still, three, yeah, right? Still, but yeah. you know, who who knows? Um, you know, anyway, it was a great result for Cam Smith. Uh, he endured himself to the fans. You know, he he paraded the claret jug around with pride. A lot of people got to see that. Uh, I think there were plenty of autographs given out, plenty of golf balls handed over to kids. Um, what yeah, you, we've got the hat. That's right, we've got the prize pack hat to uh, give away. That's it. So we'll talk about that. Um, Minwoo Lee, you know, performed really well. Uh, young Isaac, yeah. young Isaac Richards, who is a probably I'd say Minwoo's number one fan. Uh, I met Isaac when we played with Minwoo in 2019 and Isaac was there and he went up from Tamworth with his dad and followed Isaac around. I followed Minwoo around and uh, when the rain delay uh, came on, uh, Isaac jumped in the cart with Minwoo and his caddy and left his dad out there in the rain <laughs> to walk back. And young Isaac's off there with Minwoo. It was great to see uh, if you follow young Isaac, you know, you would have seen his dad posting, all that sort of stuff. So it was great. Uh, congrats to Dave Michaluzzi. Another strong performance from him mm. uh, this year. He's, you know, maybe it was just time with Dave. You know, he's a quality golfer. You know, he goes out to Peninsula Kingswood North course off the black back tees and shoots 10 under religiously, almost for fun. And, um, you know, his professional results in... Last year probably weren't quite where maybe some of the expectation was, but he's really starting to, to build some momentum there with some quality, low scoring and quality finishes. So great to see, as we talked about before, we're not sure if it's a Cranbourne, Metro, Peninsula Kingswood remember, but we're all, we're all claiming him. Uh, Cam Davis, um, Hisats, hisatsuni, um, there's a name that probably a few people are saying that we need to put in our little black books. Uh, yep. Ryo Hisatsuni. Would you know much about Ryo Hisatsuni, who finished on uh, 11-under?
1: He, he um, of the Asian contingent, he certainly had the best swing. I mean, got one of the guys that was in the last group, I think I saw him on the range, and no disrespect, he's clearly an exceptional golfer because he was in the final group with Cam Smith come Sunday, but I thought he might have been one of the ams when I was watching him warming up on the range because he's got the, a yeah. very awkward swing. Uh, hits that um did not. He had a really nice little swing. Um, and yeah, played very, very, very well um, finishing T2. Uh, Scrivener probably handed in the T2 with a very poor 17th hole on Sunday. But um, no, it was um, it was good to see a few golfers. I can't believe that you haven't mentioned the number one golfer that we were there to watch though. Gunnar. Oh,
0: Gunnar. Gunnar Wiebe. Gunnar yeah. So... Well, no, I, well, we we just to recap. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you know the 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 story of Gunnar Vibi goes back to previous podcasts where we picked a name that we weren't really quite sure. Or usually, I wasn't quite sure about, and Rocket was, and yeah, you know, Rocket had the backstory. Well, I picked out a name sort of my, at random. I had an American flag next to it, but a but a name Gunnar Vibi, uh, and he was playing in the prime with the BMW people. So I thought they might have. You know, with my knowledge of the German language, it's my second language. Um, I thought there might have been some German connection. Clearly not. Um, well, you've got the inside scoop on the background of Gunnar Vibie and, and, and miss of us yes. to, to not pick up that he qualified for his uh, DP World Tour uh, card through the qualifying school. Congratulations to Gunnar. But uh, you caught up with the family of Gunnar. I did. Yeah, I think it
1: was his brother-in-law Brian or uh, mate. It was family members all, all through, and his wife and child were there with him traveling. Gunnar and um, yeah, I just I just checked the. Um I checked the the tee times and just noticed that I was only a couple of holes away from where he was. So I just went over to watch a couple of holes and he was playing with Michael Sim. Um, and yeah, so they were, um, I was actually watching him on the back of the par three. I want to say it was about the 12th hole and they're all caught up in the rough. Like they'd gone long into this sort of swale and it was like a bit of patchy rough there and they all had putters out. And I was like, it almost looked like Something an am would do, and I was a little bit concerned for him. And they all hit these absolutely purely perfect time putts that rolled straight over the top, and then just stopped at the peak, and then broke straight down the hill to the flag. It was it was really really good to watch. Actually, I put a couple of, of the videos of them on um, on Twitter. But um, no, went over to the next hole and saw stood behind the tee boxes. Gunnar teed off, and um, a gentleman came up, stood next to me with an American accent, and said, "Great, you know, great up and down gun." And I was like, "This guy must know him." And so after they teed off and he hit a beautiful ball down the middle of the fairway, I said, oh, so uh, do you know um, you know, Gunnar? And he's like, yeah, I do, yeah. and he explained it all. I said, how did he get into the field? And he said, yeah, well, he just got card through um, European Tour School and TP World Tour, Tour School. And um, yeah, just come out to make the most of it. He's playing PGA and he finished uh, 18th, T18, which is a great result with a, with a bit of a, probably a bit of a, Second round, he was hanging on late. The weather was a bit patchy, and he he played really well first round and then was
0: a bit hanging on in the second round, but finished off well on the weekend.
1: And then he's down here this weekend for the Aussie
0: Open. Uh, we might have to go back on Gunavibi alert and uh, find yeah. around Vic and Kingston Heath. Mike, never let it be said that you know, once Golf Australia issues you a press pass... That you are down there on the ground doing the hard yards, finding out the stories, and bringing them to the people.
1: We've I think walked... I did. I think I did forty thousand steps over the two the second two days
0: I was there. I well, was pretty tired. Well, we got to the bottom of Gunavibi. Um hmm. oh, I'm sure there were plenty of other other people that you followed around, and yeah, you know, it looked like a great result. But um, we thought our other man Moronk was going to come good, but he just just didn't quite get past that third round. Um, yeah. Did you did you follow uh, Big Adrian?
1: I did, I did. I think I probably put him in the same boat as Minwoo, Ryan Fox, um, and a couple of others that had come over from the European Tour final, the DP World Tour final the week before, and uh, coming out of the Middle East and then um, coming over here to play was hard enough, let alone what Fox did. I think Foxy went to the Middle Zealand. East, New Zealand. to New Zealand, dropped the family off, and then came over. I, I actually stood with him on the ninth tee box for about 10 minutes. Uh, on the Pro Am day with his caddy and um I said, Are you cool if I just stand here and take some photos? He's like, no, I could go crazy and started chatting away and said, are You playing next week? He's like, Yeah, going down to Melbourne. And I said, Oh, you're not gonna like the weather and he's like, Oh, and no, I'll be fine and this and that. So we started talking about um about that a little bit and and he said, I said, How you been going? He goes, I'm knackered. <laughs> I think he'd been I think he'd been uh, in bed for about two hours before he'd been out in the pro am and his team won the pro am, like in a canter. Um and then, yeah, I think he was a bit, probably a little bit tired those first couple of rounds. So um, didn't do any favours, but it won't stop me thinking he's a good chance this week.
0: Well, just to follow up on that, I was down at the Oz Open today. I was on the range. We had the full swing kit launch monitors down there. So any of the young pros who needed to get some numbers and, more importantly, needed to get access to some affordable technology because these uh, trackmans that the, US, that the PGA Tour DP World players you know carry around and the GC quads and that sort of thing, they're like 35 to $40,000 pieces of equipment. We had the full swing kit two of them down there a few of the uh, We had uh, one of the young um, Tom and East tour uh, Ling I forget her surname. Sorry Ling was down there and we were with the f- team from Fujikura doing some shaft fittings They fitted into a brand new shaft using the full swing kit We had um, a couple other young players down there once again didn't know that the full swing kit is affordable technology So that was great, but just to the uh, the left of me was Foxy uh, and you know, I'm a massive Foxy fan. Uh, yep. I was a bit too shy to go up, you know, with my media pass on and go and talk to him. But he was there and I was sort of eavesdropping in and he sort of mentioned that it was, he needed, he just probably needed the weekend off. He wasn't sure that he would have got through or something like that, words to that effect. Yep. But uh, he looked very ready. He was he was hitting like this driving iron further than most most of the people were hitting their drivers down there to the, yeah. almost to the back fence. So it was insane. yeah um, Foxy could be – well, Foxy will be one to watch this week, I agree. Um, I'm I agree. sure. And I'm, Is it Ling Chang, I think, is the one the name I've looked up? Yeah. Um, I'm not going away from Foxy again. He's in. He'll factor in my, my uh, tips. Do we need to talk any more about the Oz PJ? Great one for Cam Smith. Uh, a great event. The fans were back out there. The media was back out there. We've got some questions to from the uh, – the uh, what's that group called? The Discord group to ask, and we'll talk about the media a little bit. Maybe we'll do that a bit later on. Um, Mm -hmm. anything else to talk about PGA? Because I want to get into the next interview. Um, David Evans, as I said, great of him to give us some time to talk about the Cathedral Invitational. It's on the week after the Open, but I want to bring David Evans in now. Uh, A pre-recorded interview. It's not something that we've really done before, but we're sliding that in. Um, Shall we proceed with David Evans? Do it. Cathedral Invitational, people. It is up there in the Cathedral Ranges in the small township of Thornton is where David Evans and his family have built a wonderful Greg Norman course in the Cathedral Rangers. Now, it's uh, exclusive and elusive to, to most of us. You know, everyone sort of knows someone that's been up there and played or knows might know of someone who's a member. It's really hard to get to. Well, this is your chance to get to Cathedral and have a look. The invitational, it's a two day event with a unbelievable field of forty plus men and women professionals. Now we're talking about not just anyone, we're talking about Mark Leishman, we're talking about Adam Scott, we're talking about Wade Ormsby, we're talking about Jason Scrivener, we're talking about Kari Webb, we're talking about Laura Davis, we're talking about Keely Marks. There's some amateurs playing, and Keely Marks, a massive friend of the podcast, is one of them. Well, it's up there. We're giving away two general admission passes for you to go. We'll put that on the Instagram, we'll work out exactly what you have to do. It'll be what, like the Instagram post and do all of that sort of stuff two passes, and two cathedral caps. That's what we're giving away to the lucky winners when you listen and you subscribe to um, to the Instagram post that we'll do in the announcement. But David Evans, here he is, the owner of Cathedral, talking about all things to do with the Cathedral Invitational. Enjoy the chat. It was great to get his time. Let's have a listen to David Evans. David Evans, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us, David. Uh, how are you, firstly? Um, are you well?
2: I'm well, Ross. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh, Mate, it's, it's our pleasure and uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time and, and the interest to come on to uh, our little podcast there, but it's with a great purpose and great cause because we're here to talk about your event at Cathedral, the Cathedral Invitational, which is, what is it, are we seven days away?
2: Six more sleeps, six absolutely. More, six yeah. more
0: sleeps. <laughs> David, it's an event, you know, me talking to golfers all day, every day in a variety of forms, you know, the, your average club golfer, your social golfer. It is an event that a lot of people are talking about it and with great reason because you've got a wonderful field. I want to uh, talk about the event and but maybe a little bit more about the mystique of the Cathedral Lodge as well. Let's start with the event. When did the idea of the Cathedral Invitational come to bear?
2: Well, it probably goes back to uh... – 1997 when, um, my father and I went to the U S masters for the first time at Augusta. And, uh, that was the year, of course, the tiger won his first. And, um, uh, I gotta say it was, it was one of the greatest, um, four or five days of my life to spend it with my dad. Um, and then I walked away from that experience thinking, wouldn't this be cool to do something like, um, Augusta in Australia. And, uh, you no, know, that was obviously a long time ago, but. The seed was, I guess, sown back in 1997 and it got to a stage where I'd been on an advanced management program at INSEAD 2003 and uh, we were asked to do a picture, this is a, a lecture I did, asked to, to, to paint a picture of what your life wanted to look like, what, what you wanted your life to look like in the next 20 or 30 years and I painted a picture of, um, and I hadn't bought the land yet, but I painted a picture of cathedral basically and and it was from that moment on I started to think about the idea of of one building uh, a golf club and building it along the same lines as some of the golf clubs that I'd been lucky enough to play internationally around low membership model. And then that was the first part of the dream, which was executed uh, with Greg Norman's help. But then the second part of the dream was to was to have a tournament that was owned by the club and uh, attracted you know a significant uh, field that. Um, and then build that out to be a uh, you know a significant part of the Australian golf calendar, which is which is hopefully um, you know what this is uh, the first step to doing.
0: Okay, yeah, it's it sounds like a, a great dream. You know, like everyone loves golf. You know, has some sort of connection to wanting to be involved in it, and you know you're you've got the great opportunity to be part of you know this golf culture that is just. We continue. We continue to be surprised with the amount of interest that keeps growing in golf. You know, are, are you? Uh, maybe not, but you know, what's your sort of thoughts about the growth of golf? And I'm sure that must have given given you a lot of, you know, confidence to want to put this tournament together.
2: Yeah, well, I think I, I've always been incredibly passionate about the game, and passionate passionate about its heritage, passionate passionate about the traditions, passionate about the etiquette of the game. Um, Still, if you, if you look at all of the games of the world, all the great games, golf is the one that is, I think, the one that's self-regulated as far as it. Um, you know, it's always played in great spirit and uh, you get to meet so many great people, whether that's going on golf trips. Um, and in my case, I, I get to share it with my wife, who's a keen golfer as well, and has um, and been very much a partner in putting this together. So... That's what makes me passionate about it. I think you you mentioned the explosion in golf and it has been an explosion in golf over the last few years. Now, whether that's been helped by the pandemic, I'm not sure. But what I do know is that um, uh, we've been able to get this project up uh, pretty quickly and it's been in young families who've wanted to join. And certainly with the experience we've had in the last few months putting this event together, again, it's young families who are going to come out and watch in a week's time. So um, I think golf is in a really good position. I think golf in Australia is in a great position as far as the young players that are coming through. And I think uh, yeah, James Sutherland, uh, the head of Golf Australia, who's a good friend of mine, is doing a really good job. And I think evidenced by the fact that he's putting on a, a pretty good Australian Open uh, after a few years of difficulties, obviously, through the pandemic.
0: Well, all the indicators point to it being... Very successful, you know, I was down there on the course today. It's only Monday, and there's so much activity. The players, you know, many of the players that you know are playing at your tournament were already there on the practice range. You know, we're coming off the back of the great uh, PGA event in uh, Queensland, obviously won by Cam Smith. All the reports there said it was very well patronised. It was a great event. So it's it's so good to have this summer of golf. And you know, we saw a, a new event last year, the Sandbelt Invitational, and that continues on, and now we've got. You know, your event, the Cathedral Invitational. How do you go about putting together a list of players with the mm. names? And I'll just read some of them, and this is not m- not all of them, but Adam Scott, Ryan Fox, Mark Leishman, Jeff Ogilvie. Uh, who else have we got? Brett Runford, Mike Brown, Jason Scrivener, Nick O'Hearn. Yeah, there are some serious golfers there. I've probably missed a couple, and hopefully not, but uh, and you can correct me
2: here. Yeah, well, we've got a great women's field too, Curry Webb, Laura Davies, yep. uh, Grace Kim, uh, Gabby uh, Ruffles is going to play, which Thanks. is great to have her back in Australia. Um, we've got a fantastic young amateur, Keely Marks is playing um, on the on, and, and uh, Harrison Crow is playing on the uh, the men's side. So, it's it's a phenomenal um, uh, amount of support I've received received from the players. They. Uh, they jumped the chance when I put the invitations out. It's going to going back about three months ago now. Uh, I was overwhelmed by the support I got from the players, which was uh, which was great. And I think people asked, "Well, why was that?" But I think it was a combination of a couple of things. It was the convenience of it, in that it's two days, or it's the, it's bolted onto the, you know, the two days after the Australian Open. Second of all, there's a lot of um, mystique, as you referenced earlier, about uh, cathedrals. So. The chance to come and play the course and experiencing for uh, first time, um, and I think thirdly, uh, the players want to support another tournament. They want to see the Australian Tour grow and prosper, and uh, this is something that myself, my family, and uh, the Cathedral members really want to do. We really want to do it well for the betterment of Australian golf.
0: Do do you think the Australian Tour, I guess, is challenged by you know the way the PGA Tour sets up its year and you know how it influences on impacts you know, the players wanting to come back or, or whether they do or don't come back. Do you think that that has been a challenge for the Australian Tour to, you know, get on top of? You know, this this event sort of starting to prove it wrong.
2: I, I think that's a really good question and it's the right question to ask. Um, so from, and I'm very much an outsider looking in, but from where I sit, I, I think the answer is, the evidence is there that um, the way that the US PGA Tour is run, it's very difficult for uh, an Australian Tour to, to uh to prosper and um but you know golf is in a very interesting and challenging position right now as far as which way it'll go and we've all got our theories on where it will go but ultimately what i'd love to see is that uh, the australian tour gets back to where it once was Mm -hmm. now whether that is at all possible and where it once was i'm talking about those wonderful days where you know we had each state open we had the australian open which back in the days of when nicholas played it was you know probably seen as um you know close to being the fifth major um now whether we whether we ever get back there but a version of it i think is doable and it's doable by getting the support of the the players the international players but also getting supportive of, uh of corporate australia uh, governments which is which is starting to happen no mm. question over the last six to 12 months that that's definitely happening and we're just a little part of that but i feel that if um if handled properly, uh, the Australian tool could get back into a very, very good position.
0: Look, I think the first step is, you know, the player support and, you know, that list of players, men and women, that we referenced there before, um, is a massive step in the direction, the right direction for, you know, more of the players that we know and love in Australia coming back and playing or wanting to stay and play or even having aspirations to grow and play in events like this. And then, you know, with that, hopefully some international status comes um, with it. You know, some of the international players might want to come and see what we've got down here in these wonderful courses, Victoria, Kingston Heath, Cathedral Lodge. Um, Fantastic. Let's talk about the course. You know, we mentioned Mm. it's been some challenging weather conditions in Australia, up and down the East Coast, uh, right across the sandbelt, right up the country, rivers, flooding. It's been tragic in many areas and not too far from where, your golf course is how has the course held up through those conditions
2: uh it's it's remarkable it's uh i was out there today it's in great shape we had our club championships uh over the weekend which um were played in dry hard and fast conditions so we our topography of the golf course helps and when when people come out and see it they'll see that but but the challenges that we've had over the last 4 months um you know, my, uh, my father-in-law is uh, fifth generation uh, in this district and um, he's never seen rain like it and he's 88 years of age. And so, you know, we've had most of the rivers around us have broken their banks. Um, so the amount of water that we've had to deal with, um, bunker washouts, it's just been horrific. But what happened about a week ago is the weather broke and it, it broke the right way and... Uh, our course has dried out really well, and I think I'm pretty confident now with the weather forecast. We'll we'll be able to treat the the fans and the golfers to um, to uh, a golf course that's going to have its best clothes on. Uh,
0: the growth in grass has been uh, a challenge for the best of superintendents with the biggest staffs and the most equipment. I can't imagine it's been a challenge up there as well. You know, the grass just grew in that time when the weather broke triple what it usually grows. Mm. Have you have you had to you know, have the teams working extra, or have you had to get some additional support in there? How how have they managed? We have Ross,
2: yeah. yeah. So we've we've had great support from uh, Eastern Golf Club, then there's some staff. Um, so we're we're throwing a fair bit of resource at of catching up uh, because of that weather, those weather challenges I referenced. So we're we're in good shape. You know, the, for the people uh, who are interested, the the course um, is made up of um, sand around fairways. Cooch Fairways and uh, T1 Bent Grass Greens. <clears throat> and um, that's a real feature of the golf course is the green complexes. They are particularly fast. They have got really subtle but um, interesting breaks. And that will be, I think, uh, the things that the pros will be talking about once they, they uh, come up next week is just how, um, how quick the greens are and how, um, how subtle those breaks are as well. That's uh, a key feature of the course.
0: Do you have a handle on how many of the pros in the field wouldn't have seen the property before? Is that a majority of them?
2: It'll be the majority for sure. Um, well, Jeff Jeff Ogilvy's a member, so he he's obviously uh, will know it very well. So I suspect Jeff will will play well. Um, and uh, Nick O'Hearn's a member, um, uh, so I, I would I would guess and say there'd be a, a dozen players that would, would have played the course. The rest. Uh, they probably haven't. Now,
0: it is an invitational. Uh, there's two days. Uh, day one is the Monday where the pros will play with some of the members and sponsors, but day two is open to the public, correct?
2: Day two is open to the public. So the first time <clears throat> we're allowing patrons to uh, come onto the property and uh, and and look at the golf course and watch some great golf, um, the, the way we'll work is that, you know, the patrons will be out on the fairways and follow their you know their, uh, the players they want to follow and so it'll be a really intimate atmosphere there'll be a tournament village um, you know th- this year will be uh you know it's our first big sort of into this stuff so it'll be we'll probably make some mistakes but um, I think that the, the level of work that's gone into it will treat the fans to a pretty special experience
0: for those that uh, you know have just put cathedral in the i'd like to i'd like to see it but maybe it's not going to happen and this is my opportunity mm. what's the the travel what's the best way to get up there what's some of the logistics yeah. about mapping a day out that to come up there with the friends family or otherwise
2: Yeah, so that's a good question so it is two hours drive from uh, the central business district of melbourne northeast and it's a beautiful drive so you go through the famous black spur um, just outside of hillsville so that that's the way to go and up um up through uh, uh, Buxton and uh, um, up through that way, it's as I said about two hours, but a really a really pretty drive. And you also go through the wine districts um, yeah, around Coldstream and in the Yarra Valley there. So it's uh, it's um, if you did want to make a couple of days of it, there's uh, great places to stay. Um, and you know we feel that this is much about uh, opening up. The district to um to people who haven't seen this part of victoria which is a very special place and as this tournament grows in future years i'm sure that the um the region and the tourism around this area will benefit as well
0: yeah absolutely well it is a beautiful part of, of victoria i'm 20 years of victorian but a new south welshman and i've only seen that part of the the country you know a handful of times so can't wait to get back up there and check it out when we talk about the golf course, you know, I've only ever seen it pictorially, uh, pictures, drone, et cetera, et cetera, and it looks magnificent. And, you know, you worked with closely with Greg Norman. My In my family, my brother was the uh, greenkeeper superintendent of the family, and he got the opportunity to work with Bob Harrison uh, at a development in the Hunter Valley. Um, so he's had that experience. But what was it like for you working alongside the great Greg Norman uh, and building a golf course?
2: Uh, it, was, it was one of the highlights of my life. Greg and I have become – great friends. He uh, <clears throat> he was incredibly good to, to me and our family in the whole process. So he, he was on site about seven or eight times so it was very much his project. Um, he's got a great team that he worked with, uh, Jason McCoy, Jim Norfolk um, and it, we almost became a little family in this project that went for about three and a half years and uh, it was a wonderful experience. Greg absolutely loves the site. I think publicly he said uh, which is nice of him. That's some of the best work he's done, and uh, he um, he loved the the topography of the land, and and the routing was uh, was pretty clever in the way that he that he is people will see when they see it um, uh, on Monday Tuesday next week. It it's really clever the routing he's done, and five par threes, five par fives, which is quite unique. And um, you know he's he's put a little bit of some of the golf courses. there. he's a huge fan of Shinnecock. And I think he's told me once that he, he thought that the Cathedral Greens with their subtle breaks were a lot like the Shinnecock Greens. Um, he's obviously a huge fan of Royal Melbourne as well. So a lot of the bunkering uh, is sort of um, inspired by that. So it's, um, it's a bit of everything of sort of Greg's philosophy on golf and golf course design. And, uh, um, yeah, he was, he was wonderful to work with. David, what
0: are your favourite holes uh, on the property? You've probably played it more than anyone. Yeah. Um, what are, What are the holes that you keep going back to? They either challenge you or they reward you, or, or a bit of both. What do you, What do you like?
2: Well, the, the the I guess the signature hole is the fifteenth, which is a a, a par three um, of about one hundred and fifty meters, and uh, we've just put a t- a, a back tee in for the tournament, which is one hundred and eighty meters. So. It's a it's a hole which is really unique. Uh, it is basically stuck in the middle of this gorge, um, with a creek beside it, uh, just cut out of nature basically. So that's for me that's the, my favourite hole, and and certainly most people that get out there just get blown away when they see that one. And then there's a watch out for the tournament. There's a par five, the eighth hole, which is dogleg right, and it, the green is cut above a uh, uh, a creek or a washout and the pros are going to to be faced with a challenge as to whether to go for the green, which will be typically about a 215 to 220-metre carry, and in a a, a way it's a very similar green complex, the second in Augusta, where it's got this big sweeping um, breaks. So they're probably my two favourites, and and the 18th hole, which has got a creek that splits the fairway, which we named um, Ron's Creek after my my late father. Uh, That's also a pretty special hole and obviously gets photographed a lot.
0: Uh, It sounds like you've pulled some references and some, you know, um, I can only imagine it would have been a very collaborative process with with Greg. Um, I hope you had... Your own fingerprints over the the design. I'm sure you did. In terms of references and influences, I think it's pretty clear that Augusta is probably one of your favourites. But yeah, you, know, you you're a wildly travelled golfer. What are some of your other favourite golf courses from around the world that you've had the pleasure to experience?
2: Yeah, no one's ever asked me that. It's a, it's and it's a topic I love to talk about. Um, there's a there's a there's a club in uh, in Surrey in England called Queenwood, which is um, they just do it really, really well. They, the, the, all the members love golf. Uh, it's the clubhouse is unbelievable, but the um, the club and the way they do golf is really special. So Queenwood would definitely be one. Uh, for different reasons, a club called Chevy Chase in um, in Washington DC, which is a, a pure uh, country club, as you'll see, just wonderful service for families, particularly young families. And we've taken a lot of what they've done and applied it to cathedral. Um, and the obvious ones, I just thought I'd throw those to him because not many people mention them, but the obvious ones, which I've been lucky enough to play like Cypress point, Augusta, uh, San Francisco golf club, which I love. Um, and uh, I played a lot of golf in South Carolina, um, a place uh, which is dear to my heart um, called uh, the ocean course at Kiwa. Um, so there's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been, as you referenced, very lucky to have travelled the world. i played most of my overseas golf in America, which uh, I love the way the Americans do golf. And, um, and again, there's been a lot of influence on cathedrals through those travels.
0: Uh, you mentioned Chevy Chase, uh, one of the former guests of the podcast, uh, Stephen Britton, who's a great friend. Yeah, student.
2: he's the, uh, he's the su- superintendent. Yeah, the I met him about a, uh, about a month and a half ago. He's a great guy. Great guy. And... Um, yeah, we've had him down. Yeah,
0: we've had him down at Peninsula Kingswood. He's a great Frankson Frankson uh, youth and uh, a great ambassador for Australian golf over there. Doing great things at that golf course. Oh,
2: he's, he, and he's what he's done to that golf course as far as its presentation is extraordinary. Yeah,
0: uh, any <laughs> golf in Scotland, you know, I come from a Scottish uh, Australian background. Yeah. Uh, any golf in Scotland, uh, I always like to throw in a bit of a Scot- Scottish Lynx reference if there's one available. So
2: yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be there when Cam Smith won at um, the Old Course, which was such a treat to be there. So I played a lot of golf in Scotland, Um, you know, lucky enough to play places like Muleful, North Berwick is my Mm. favourite, and uh, got to play the old course, which is, I mean, that is just a very special place. So, no, the roots of golf are clearly in Scotland, and uh, that's, again, uh, had a a big impact on, on Cathedral and how that's been mapped out as well.
0: Well, David, we're going to give away a couple of tickets for people to uh, attend on the Tuesday, and uh, that'll be all the information will be uh, in the podcast notes. and But of course, if anyone wants to go on and secure their tickets for their friends, family, otherwise, where can we do that? At cathedralinvitational.com. Is that right?
2: That's correct, Ross. Yes. Thank you. So tickets are through Ticket Tech, but go online and. Um They're on sale at the moment and uh, we're looking forward to having as many people up there as we can fit in.
0: Well, I can't wait to see uh, what you've created up there for the first time and uh, it's been a long-held goal of mine to get up there and have a look and uh, I can't wait for that and I'm sure... That uh, the people that do go up there and uh, you should get up there because as we referenced there, you just have to look at the Instagram page and the people that are playing, the players that are playing, the men and the women. Can't wait to see them. I can't wait to see Keely Marks. She's a great friend of mine. I've known Keely since she was about 13. I know her family and I know how excited she is to – it's not her first pro – tournament or a tournament where she's playing alongside the prize, but I know how keen she is to get up there. It's not too far out of her backyard, but uh, I can't wait to see her and all the other people playing. It's going to be fun. I'll well,
2: I, I tell, I tell you a quick story about her. So Yes, please. She, she's she got a um, uh, an invitation purely off the back of, uh, of the wonderful letter she wrote to us asking uh, for a spot. So it was incredibly nice. It was respectful. It was clear that um, she put a bit of thought into it and um, – So, I can't wait to meet her. I haven't met her yet, but um, uh, she sounds like she's been very well brought up and um, a very well mannered girl.
0: Uh, She definitely is, and uh, credit to her, Darren and Rochelle. Uh, They'll probably listen. Uh, David, thank you very much. Uh, We could probably talk uh, a lot longer on golf. Uh, We could probably talk a little bit of football, but we'll leave it at that. Cathedralinvitational.com is where you get your tickets. We'll give away a couple. I very much appreciate your opportunity to talk to you, David. Uh, It's been it's been great, and I I thank you for your time.
2: Thanks, Ross, for the interest. I appreciate it. My pleasure.
0: Okay, that was David Evans from the Cathedral Invitational, the owner of Cathedral, talking about building the golf course with Greg Norman, some of his golfing influences. And as I said, we're giving away two passes to go up there on the Tuesday. It's the public access day. You can go up there and walk the fairways with some of those players that we talked about. It's going to be awesome. It's only two hours away get up there, we'll do the competition and you can get up there. But if you want to get some tickets yourself, cathedralinvitational.com, that's the place to go. And you can buy your tickets, take your friends, take your family and get up there and have a look. Mike, welcome back. Thanks. Great to be here. Uh, well, you get to um, where your media pass with pride again this week at Kingston Heath and at Vic, mm. the Victoria Golf Club uh, in Cheltenham. Uh, when the Oz Open hits town and it's not just any Oz Open it is an Oz Open where the men's field and the women's field are playing in their own tournaments but at the same time there is a pretty good field assembled of men and women it's going to be a very exciting very jam-packed event it's spread across two courses it's a bit different a lot of people you know working out who's what when and where but uh, I'm sure that as everything tends to do it will work itself out and it will be awesome the main sort of I guess, tournament focus and all of the event structure is around Vic. So what will happen is each of uh, the first two days, everyone will play one round at Vic, one round at Kingston Heath. Uh, Then there'll be a cut. And then there's a 54 hole cut. So there's, you know, we can talk about that. Um, Mike, what are you looking forward to in terms of the Oz Open this week at Vic and Kingston Heath?
1: Um, I'm probably looking forward. I mean, obviously the field's going to be very similar for the men, uh, as it was last week. I think the only add-ons are Matt Jones and one other name. I can't remember who it was. Um, but obviously the women coming coming down will be great to see. Minji Lee play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Hannah Green. So there's a few really big and named females there as well. So it's, it's a, obviously a lighter field for the women uh, numbers-wise. So um, I'm probably looking forward to see how it integrates. I know obviously the Vic Open does it really well, but it's I wouldn't think it's an easy thing to do and, and – Obviously, Thirteenth Beach has the benefit of having two courses on site. Hmm. So, having two courses that are you know close enough but not not in the same uh, ballpark will be interesting to see how it all works out. Um, and I can't wait to see the crowds. The crowds last week were pretty crazy for a you know for a Thursday and let alone a Sunday to watch Cam Smith. I'll be very very interested to, to see what it looks like this week.
0: Well, uh, already on day one, you know, bumped into quite a few players uh, that were in town early out there on course who do we see friends of the podcast who, do, who bumped first one of the first people I bumped into was uh steph nah, and uh it was so good to see her back in australia for at least until um vic open time with her partner sam from america so they're out here uh bumped into dom as a party down there dom's pumped lucas is obviously playing back is better um got some attention you know treatment all of that so you know but according to Dom, he's good to go. Uh, Jamie's in town. Uh, who else did we see? Um, we saw Foxy on the range, of course. Um, another friend of the podcast uh, had a great chat with Louis Dobbs uh, and uh, Gary Kissick. Obviously Gary, um, uh, Ashbardi's partner, caddies for Louis Dobbs. Also does a bit of work at uh, Drum and Golf in Gabba. So when he's got some downtime, he gets up there and... Uh, gets on the tools and uh, does some work in the Drummond world. So it was great to see uh, Big Gaz. He's a great football man, loving the World Cup at the moment. And uh, who else did we see? Oh, anyway, Mike Brown. Um, Mike Brown was mm. there on the range playing with Mike in the Pro-Am on Wednesday. And uh, David Howe. How do you know much about David Howe? English? You know, yeah, I know the name. Yeah, yeah, from, like yeah. Very highly ranked uh, in a few years gone by. So playing with David Howe, which will be um, great to play uh, with David, DP World mm. Tour player. Um, it's all happening. Um, you know, it's a bit new for me to be down there all week and, uh, and working and playing and doing all of this sort of stuff, but, uh, I'm sure we'll get by. I'm not complaining. Um, No. What, what, what are you, what are you expecting in terms of, uh, performances? Um...
1: I'm going to probably, when I look at my picks, I probably won't take Cam Smith again. It's probably going to be one of my worst decisions. Um, He had a big week last week. Gee, he was under the pump. I don't think he had to, I mean, he obviously signed the hat for us, but I mean, he was nonstop getting asked for signatures and photos and um, he was just so gracious. I saw him at the pub on Tuesday night with a few of his mates and Maddie Kelly, who caddies for Leash, and and, they were just having a quiet beer. They could have just been any other lad sitting in the pub. Uh, enjoying life, but I don't think he would have had a, a heap of downtime last week. So I, I would want to say that after he won, he probably enjoyed it. Um, it's not, not not like his skill or ability is going to go anywhere in the last 48 hours, but I'd probably be leaning towards someone like Midway this week. Um, playing on a bit of a hard, hard and fast courses, even though we've had a bit of rain down here, is probably something that he's done quite well, especially over in, in the links and stuff. He seems to play well over there with that. Um, Foxy is another one I want to see play some good golf and I would love to see my boy Rasmus play better than he did last week. Uh, I followed him for the last few holes of his pro-am on Wednesday last week and he shot a lazy 10 under so I was very very happy with my picks and then I think when I got to the course on Thursday morning I think he was about three under through five and I thought oh he's going to run away with this thing and then he just sort of chopped it around and fell away and three part of the last to miss the cup so mm. yeah now there's a few look the big names are going to be good to see um but yeah I think I'm just looking forward to just see how the, the way it all works and how the I'm looking forward to seeing Vic I haven't seen Vic since, since it's been redone I know that's been a couple of years now but haven't been able to see that it's probably one of my favorite courses on the sand belt so but, it, um, it was one of your favorite courses prior to being uh, renovated yeah I said to um I said to Scotty Carter faithful listener the other day. I said, uh, I've probably played Vic three times, and I don't think I've had less than 38 points. So it must must suit really bad golfers with bad backs and no idea where the ball's going off the tee, because I just play really well there every time.
0: Don't know why. I really enjoy it. So, yeah. Oh, it's a great course. It's one of of the, you know, it's, I guess it's reclaimed its position as one of Australia's greats, and it didn't ever fall away from that, but Uh, the work that uh, the OCM team did on ripping—they, you know—they, when was it, 2019? Ripped up all the greens, mm. put in pure distinction greens, uh, just reoriented some of the um, strategic lines there, moved some of the wasteland, moved some of the bunkering, moved some yep. of the T positions. Not much, but just enough to, you know, make the hole a little bit more risk reward. And like the 17th, you know, reoriented that hole. It was always a little bit. Uh, I don't like to use the word ugly, but yeah, it wasn't the most pretty uh, hole with that big dam down the side. So they just reoriented that and sort of yep. taken that out. Um, yeah, it, it's so it's a great. You don't
1: course. think the you don't think they're going to have to uh, stop play like they did when Steve Allen won a few years back, and because the greens were running too quick. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, was, uh, I literally that was the first day that I'd turned up to the tournament. That it must have been a Thursday. Mm-hmm. If not, it was a Friday, whatever it was. And I remember just getting there and they were backing up the, on the second tee. There was like three, three, two or three groups there because they couldn't tee off because no one could putt out on whatever hole it was, a couple of holes ahead.
0: And um, then they just called it, pulled the pin and went inside. No, I don't think uh, that they'll have that problem. That You can feel, like I didn't step too far into uh, Vic today, but certainly at Cheltenham, um you know, obviously on the same parcel of land on the practice fair, which, which was pristine. You can still feel there's a bit of give in in the in the ground. You know, it's been very wet. You know, we just heard David Evans talk about Cathedral and how wet it's been up there. And, you know, he had some concerns a month or so ago that, you know, he was in a very wet area and that course wouldn't bounce back. It's bounced back beautifully. Peninsula Kingswood on Saturday for the stroke round that I played. Didn't lose a ball, by the way. Thanks for asking, Mike. Um Yeah, it was beautiful, but it is there's a bit of give under the ground because it is still pretty soft. The greens, PK greens were fast, true. They were probably running at about 12, um, still holding, not a lot of pitch marks. So I can only think that the Vic greens being that pure distinction grass are going to be similar, the same. Um, It'll still provide plenty of challenges for all of those guys. Don't worry about that. Kingston Heath. I haven't been in there for a few months, so uh, for all accounts, it's absolutely pure. So, um, yeah, it will show. It, what I'm, what I'm quite keen to see is how this, these two courses present at the same time on TV. You know, yep. we remember the Presidents Cup. We remember how the world saw Royal Melbourne in its highlight. Well, I don't think that Kingston Heath or Vic really present too far away from how good that course presents on TV. So it's going to be great to see. Um, how well the course looks and it's probably one thing going back to the coverage of uh, the Oz PGA which made me think about all of this you know, certainly after playing on Saturday at PK uh, in a medal and taking some videos and photos with, with Golf Guy 77 Chris Day he, says mm. he sends his regards yeah. uh, he's back in the States by now but we were just talking about how good the place looks all that sort of stuff You, you know, no one's not expecting me to say anything other than that Raw Queensland on TV mm. No reflection of the course because I know the course is great, but on TV yeah. it didn't look that great. It doesn't look that like, you know. There's a lot of area and it just looks flat. It's very
1: hard to tell. Yeah, it does. It looks flat. I think the the one that stood out most for me was um, my mum was watching the whole the whole tournament. I might add, she watched the whole Saturday and Sunday because of her mate Cam Smith, but um, I, the party hole. On the 17th hole Mm. the 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 way that green perches up when you're sitting there and you watch the little gathering spot behind that green it is jail like it is it is so far below the the where the green sits above you and on tv you just can't tell yeah you just can't tell unless i get on the angle down on the ground behind the player hit chipping up or putting up you couldn't tell in a million years it doesn't look like half the hole it does when you're there when you're there you you literally can't that you're gonna hit there's no there's no green there to hit it's, it looks so small the way that the way that it plays to your eye but um, yeah it probably
0: does doesn't do it justice that much on especially on some of those holes where it moves around a little bit so my point is I'm keen to see how these two courses look on TV they've got that beautiful sand belt bunkering that's a feature mm-hmm. so um with the crowds shaping up the holes I think I think the place will look magnificent and that's what Australian golf needs to do. You know mm-hmm. talking to Dave David, Dave, I'm not on that great of first name terms with David Evans that I can call him Dave. Uh, Talking with Mr Evans, David Evans, you know, we were talking about the PGA Tour just a little bit as you heard us say um, and its influence on maybe making it harder for some of the golfers to want to come back Mm -hmm. and he's been blown away by the support of the, the golfers that have committed to the Cathedral Invitational and I think that's a real catalyst for having this summer of golf be as strong as it possibly can be and I think at this time, showcasing those courses in that sandbox, which everyone wants to see around the world, hopefully it does that job and helps support. You know that we've got a great product of golf down here, um, especially in this part of the world. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, what else can we talk about? When will you be down there? When can when can we have a uh, you know a team meeting catch up down there? Um, I have to go to Sydney now, which is not
1: ideal for. Um... Less than ideal. Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, so I'll probably be down Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, i Okay. Okay, we might have a catch-up on Friday? It'd be, if it's Friday, it'll be late Friday, but yeah. Late, as in?
0: As in, it'll depend on how much work I get done in the morning. Okay. Um, Mike is, we used to joke about Mike being the king of cheese. Well, now he is the, <laughs> <laughs> now he's the anointed king of cheese. He is the, the world leader of cheese Uh, He's had a recent promotion at work, so he is legitimately in charge of legitimately legitimately busier, which is not ideal. Legitimately in charge of the cheese from King Island into your mouth in (laughs) every way, shape, and form that it comes to you. Mike's in charge of that, so um, so he's a pretty busy man.
1: It's yeah, that time of year. It's it's nearly (laughs) peak cheese week. It's it's well and truly on the way. The cheese (laughs) is starting to ship, um, and being away. Playing golf in the sunshine for a week and a half means I've had a very busy week this week. So, yeah, if I do get there, it'll be very late on Friday but definitely going to be there Saturday and then GMGA golf Sunday morning and then I'll probably come straight down to the course. Uh, Where's GMGA Sunday morning? Uh, Up in the ranges of Macedon, up at the Golf Club. Oh, really? Yeah. Too far. Too far for you. Yeah, too far. No, it's probably... I could drive... To and from there before I'd get
0: to the PK. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, let's run through some of the internationals in the men's field. Uh, they're under the sanctioned, uh, joint sanctioned, exempt AMS and co-sanctioned uh, category. Moronk, Hoigard, Brothers, uh, Kawamura, Scrivo, um, Junghyun Wang, uh, John Parry, Hisato- Hisatsune, Gunavibi, Horsey, Powell. Uh, Here's a fella that I looked at on the range today. And I actually thought it was someone else. I thought it was um Henry from New Zealand. He had that sort of look about him, but must have been six foot five and was probably would have liked to have seen him hitting the ball next to Foxy at the same time. Beautiful golf swim. Alfredo Garcia Heredia. He uh I saw I watched him play on Thursday. Yes. And he was
1: playing really good golf. I don't remember what he what he shot. I can probably look it up. I, I can
0: he shot uh no, can't find him. Well, there's plenty of people in the range that I saw 68, that, that sixty eight that I didn't know, but you have to be he was a pretty special specimen for me to go over and sort of yeah. walk around and say, Okay, have a look at the just having a little funny bag here. <laughs> oh, Alfredo Garcia Heredia, I, I should have known.
1: Well, well he I, I I watched him and he was playing great golf and then he was walking off one of the greens and he was he was almost pepping his caddy up in his accent. He was like no, we just got to stay positive. Blah blah blah. As he's walking off to the next team. I thought, who's that? And I looked at the the scorer walking behind him. And I'm like, oh god, he's flying. And then on um, Saturday, rockets one of the one of the triplets got a golf ball from him. So well, there you
0: go. Yeah, meant to it was meant to be friend of the pod. Uh, what do you know about Veltin Mayer from um, Germany? No, nothing. Don't know anything about Veltin Mayer. No, did you see? The is going to no, Well, he might be. No, the reason I ask um, about Velton Mayer, he's playing with, he's partnered in the prime with uh, Dylan Buckley and Ryan Pappenhausen. And uh, those guys have been put in there. They've been doing a bit of a media project with the PGA, getting the, their games right, and this is the culmination of it all coming together. And they're, they're partnered with Velton Mayer. So I was just trying to get some uh, goss from you, if you knew about Velton, that I could pass on to Ryan Pappenhausen. No, I'll, I'll look him up and figure it out. Okay. Um, Andre Apavane, Maverick, of Oliver. Yeah, so Liam Johnson. So the the, the award for this week, uh, the tip for this week's uh, top scot is Liam Johnson. Don't know anything about Liam, uh, but he is the only uh, player in the field from Scotland. Um, here's one. Here's one that's in, in the field with that uh, exempt status from co-sanctioned tour, joint sanction, et cetera, et cetera. Terry Pilkadaris
1: that's the name i was trying to think of the other week terry pilt last week's episode and i was like there's a player there that i saw and my mind says he i reckon he won a russian open about 10 years ago uh
0: if you want to hear (laughs) if you want to hear a funny no no, i honestly i can look it up i think you did uh terry Pilkadaris was a fine ball striker played on european tour for a number of years uh, and did quite well so i believe been coaching in australia For a long time, yes, yeah, yeah. You can get a, you can see him online. You can get uh, a lesson off Terry. I think at Woodlands, I think those three coaches out of. If you want to go back to an episode with uh, the real life caddy, uh, the glorified donkey podcast, you can find it in the annals of my love of golf history. Um, There's a funny story about Terry Terry Pilkadaris, the real life caddy who is the star of that podcast and has his own successful podcast. Once upon a time, caddied for Terry. uh, I wouldn't say it was a happy marriage, but uh, there's a funny story. If you want to go back and listen to that and help the downloads go up, um, there's a Terry Pilkada story back there. Uh, yeah, he won, got- he won the um, – I'm mixing up. I say
1: the Sanya Open or the Brunei Open. It might be the Brunei Open I'm mixing it up with. But Jared Lyle. There you go. Well, I'll say- lots, and lots of good money raised last week for uh, the um, – Challenge. The Challenge um, charity on Saturday. Yep. Everyone wearing yellow, yep. including
0: – Including you. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, (laughs) Go and have a listen to that. I'll just just say, if you're Terry's caddy, I'm wondering if he still makes you count. That's all. If you want to know the rest of that story, you have to listen to that podcast. Um, Anyway. uh, Quick run through the women's field. Um, Keeley Marks. Keeley Marks is playing. The amateurs are in there. Keeley Marks played with Keeley before. uh, Molly McLean. Young young lady on the way up, Justice Bozio, excellent golfer. Sarah Hammett, don't know much about Sarah or Madison Hinson-Tolshard, but I do know a bit about um, Janeth Wong. Did I mention last week that I had a game with Janeth Wong? Not recently, a little while ago. Okay, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago? I played with Janeth at PK, uh-huh. um, and Janeth is off to Pepperdine. Keeley's off to Ohio State to be a Saklanita. Uh, but, wow, yeah, both of those two young women – are Exceptional golfers. You know, Janith Wong did not miss a fairway by. She didn't miss a fairway, but she didn't miss the middle of the fairway by plus or minus five yards. You could have put five yards either side of the fairway, and that was as wide as away she got from the middle of the fairway. Great golfer. I'm quite keen to see how those two young um, stars of Australian golf on their way to uh, college golf where you know, we know what happens to golfers once they get out into that college system they just get turned into golfing machines so it's going to be great to watch them um you know who i'm catching up with tomorrow another name drop because well, hey. we do have a media pass uh brett ogle and i uh brett ogle is interviewing i'm filming dame laura davies and oh, yeah. this year's women's open winner ashley Buhai nice. on, the, on the range at um at Cheltenham. we're just doing a q and A Q&A and a what's in the bag and just catching up with. So, know. is
1: Sorry. that where the is that the range that the range there at Cheltenham is that where they'll all be warming up or is there two different
0: ranges? How are they setting it up? So the range for Vic is at Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just there's a little hole in the fence and you just walk through. Yeah. So, you know the back way into Vic. Uh, it's like the whatever the two holes are there at Chel. Basically, it's two holes and the T uh, is the range. So they just sort of sidle up on one fairway and the other fairway. But then mm-hmm. if you're playing Kingston Heath, you use the range down there. Yep.
1: Not yeah. Not busting people
0: around. Um, catching up with uh, Laura Davies. You know, Laura Davies, one of the all-time greats of the women's game of golf. Uh, I've not spent too much time in her company, but any time that I have, you know, there's always a laugh, there's always a story, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Brett Ogle and her have some uh, history on the way back there. So it's got to be interesting to see uh, what we can put together obviously for the Drum and Golf uh, channel there. And um, Kari Webb. Kari Webb. Um, now, I spoke to Steve. Uh, Steve is the Queensland Mizuno rep. Uh, Steve Kent used to be down here in Victoria. Steve is caddying for Kari, and they'd been out there this morning for a practice round with Kari, and uh, he's just blown away by you know how well she still plays and how she could still play on tour, you know, with the game that she's got, if she wanted to, she would still hold her own at the pointy end of the field. Um, he was pretty confident, but it was good to catch up with Steve Kent. Um, he goes way back with um, with Carrie, and uh, he's ca- carrying for Kari this week, so it'll be great to watch her. Uh, Ashley Buhai this week is winner of the Women's Open, as I said before, at uh, Millfield. Jennifer Cupcho, uh, another very strong name in the field. Minji Lee, of course, a lot of major winners. Gabriella Ruffles is coming back. Uh, Gabrielle's playing, and she's also playing in the uh, Cathedral Invitational, as you heard David say. Um, so Yunru, what a great golfer she is. Crystal Bloom doing really well over there. Steph Bunky, friend of the podcast. Um, yeah, great. It's a good feel. I, I, I think it's going to um, it's going to be great. Congratulations, to Momoko. Um, uh, no, not Momoko. Sorry, uh, Jeepers. Jeepers, weepers. Kono Matsumoto, sorry. Kono Matsumoto, a young amateur who turned professional. This is her first ever professional tournament. Kono uh, Matsumoto, an Australian golfer, um, making a debut in the Oz Open as a pro. Well done. Uh, okay, what else? I don't know anyone else. Oh, well, I've, we've just run through, you know, there's there's plenty of names in there and it's going to be great. Um, some names that you've heard of. There's plenty more women in the field there. Julian Sue, great golfer. Uh, Steph Nas come home for the event and a few others. Uh, heaps of heaps of names. Jessica Boyce, Stephanie Hall, WPJ invitation. Yeah, there's plenty of golfers in there. It's got to be great. Um, we've got a giveaway, Mike. We've got not only the cathedral invitational tickets, we've got, what else have you got? We've got
1: a Luke the Duck Titleist yellow cap signed by not only the Open champion, but also the Australian PGA champion in Cam Smith.
0: There we go. So we've got a Titleist Luke the Duck yellow hat. So we're going to give away that. We're going to give away a dozen Pro V1X number 59. It's always everyone's dream to have number 59. Cameron Smith uses Pro V1X. Uh, uh a box of Caddy Snacks. We've got the Caddy Snacks uh, over there. Uh, yeah, Mike's got the hoodie. Um, what else? Are we, are we giving away anything else? No, that's all I've got today. Oh, I know what I'm giving away. Um, no, I'm giving away some other stuff when we do the Gary Lisbon thing. That's right. No, we'll save that for next time. Um, great. So we're giving away the Caddy Snacks, the Luke the date, Yellow Cam Smith hat, and a box of uh, Pro V1X number 59s. That's a pretty good okay. giveaway. And cathedral tickets on top of that. Cathedral separately. tickets, cathedral hats, fantastic. Hmm. Um, we've got some questions.
1: We do have some questions. Um, I'll start with the questions. Well, the first ones are from Rocket, who couldn't be here because he's running around looking after the triplets' birthday, which is a pretty good, you know,
0: reason. Well, we're out of. Um, we in fairness to Rocket, we are out of sync. We did make the late call to go tonight. Um, uh, I've got a function tomorrow for the Oz Open, um, so I couldn't do tomorrow night, and then Wednesday was too late. So we just cracked on with it Monday night. Yes. So Rocket, um, Rocket's question. Rocket's questions were: Is Cam's mo
1: shocking? Now I know we had comments on his hair last week. What about his mo? Do you like his mo? Uh, it's not offensive. If you, you know, no, nah, it's fine. That's fine. No, but, I, 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 it doesn't offend me any more than his hair. Well,
0: have yeah, you know, have 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 a look at you and you know, yeah, you and I have got facial hair. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't you, you, you were probably clean shaven at five o'clock this morning. No, nah, it's too grey for that. No. Um, I can't grow a mo. Look at that. It's ginger there, grey there, and it's this little part red here. It's this part's dark on top of this part's light. Look, yeah. he's just got fine blonde hair and it's a bit wispy and it doesn't grow thick and right, bushy. Exactly. exactly. So his mo is just a interpretation of his mullet on his face. Of you know, his, it's a it's a mouth mullet. <laughs> mouth That's, a, That's a rocket, isn't it? It's a, it it's is. A, it's an absolute replica of his mullet on his mouth. That's Cam um, Smith.
1: His next question is, are the commentators boring? And is the, is the broadcast amplifier of the problems with golf on TV? I thought the commentators were okay in patches, but I thought that they were lacking in patches. Um, I thought ports did well on the ground. Um I don't know how we make it better. I know a lot of, and there's another comment here around um, the commentators and being a bit terrible, but
0: did you watch much of it on TV? Uh, I watched Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, I think they need to do something to improve it, but they need to be careful because we all need to remember that the people watching the event are not just golf sickos like us. So there are people like my mum who tuned in for two days of golf this weekend uh, because she loves Cam Smith um, and had no problem with it. But she flicked me some questions while she was watching that may, gave me some ideas as to what they could be doing. And an example was, um, on the last hole, Scriv was taking a drop and um, because his ball landed in the path three in the sprinkler head. And as he went to take his drop, it was on the side of a so it was rolling away, and he dropped it once, it rolled away, dropped it the second time, then he got to place it. And my mum texted me, she said, is that man cheating? And I said, no, why? She's like, well, he did that three times. He didn't you know, play it from where he's supposed to hit it from. And to explain it, I thought, you know what would be really good at that point? Instead of showing me the canned footage you have of Cam Smith telling you how he wants to eat a meat pie and he's happy to be home and everything else, which you've shown me every half an hour for the last four days, it'd be really good if you chopped up a 30 second edit of someone like Blakey explaining the rule of what happens when you have to drop the ball and how it works. So that you could just literally cut it in for 30 seconds to explain the, a rule of golf, something that's a little bit different. Um, and you could do them all throughout the, the tournament. Whenever something like that comes up, someone hits one in the water, he's hit it in the water, or, or Minwoo Lee's got an embedded ball on the top of the bunker. What's he doing? Why is he dropping it there? Like it, they can be pre, pre-recorded and just chop them in here and there. And I think it adds a little bit more to it. And I think that they're much closer this year than they were last year. Um, with the flyovers of the hole and having, um, I think it was Nick O'Hearn explaining how he would play the hole or how you can play the hole. I think they need to do just a slightly better job and I'm being very um, particular here but I have the drone flying a little bit lower so that you can actually see some of the the, the, um, work around the fairways and the lumps and bumps and then I would pause it and say if you are teeing off with driver this is where you are hitting to and this is where you want to be short of And if you are hitting an iron off the tee, this is where you're playing to, and this is why. And then sort of play the hole through to show. Because when you listen to a caddy and a player talk through how they're going to do it and why they're doing it, it's quite interesting. But they sit there and say, oh, if you're going to hit driver, you just want to be short of that pot, and this this drone flies over the hole. But you don't really get the full, you know, context of it. As an example, the 16th hole. Cam Smith hit driver on the final day. Now, that hole was playing... Must have been playing slightly into, two days before it was playing downwind, guys were hitting three woods green high. And then some guys are chopping it into the tree, which you had to clear. If you didn't clear that tree, you were dead. But you can't see any of that on TV. It's just different ways to bring in um, what is really interesting about the course. And I also think they underutilize things like, I still don't understand why you've got plates there on the bag just grab him for an hour and get him to get some sound bites around how they designed and what they changed on the course, and really just chuck it into the coverage so people can say, "Why did? What did it used to look like? Why did you move it? Where, where is this going now? How did you get more pin positions? How did this work? Like all that sort of stuff would be very interesting for the golf sickos. So it's just getting a balance. I think it's not bad. It's just not there.
0: That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of feedback. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I think, look, just on ports. I think ports is absolutely essential to the success of the in pod, the, the podcast. Uh, he will come on the podcast at some stage. Yeah, you know, he has committed to that. We have just sort of got to line it up and, and do it. Uh, but he's absolutely essential to the success of the Australian golf uh, summer of golf mm. coverage. His his knowledge and yeah. You know, he, he's he's just great. Um mm. he knows his stuff, he knows what they're thinking, he's been there, he's lived it, he's exactly. done it, he's walked the talk, he gets down in the grass and uh has a good look. So um I think Paul does a great job. Look, I think the other guys do a good job and uh you know, like everything, it could've be better, yeah for sure. Um I just think it's all attached to one thing and and it's it's dollars and uh yep. you know, flying drones ain't cheap. Flying drones close to the ground ain't cheap, you know. Doing all of that sort of stuff multiple times, but anyway, I agree. There could be a lot more entertainment or infotainment as yes. those little cutaways. I, I did see Cameron Smith talking about, you know, chowing down in a pie with his mate several times. So you're right. Cool. What's next? Yeah,
1: Kurt, Kurt, Kurt was already out there. Kurt O'Gram was already there. Get him. He had about ten million cameras with him. I'm sure he could have done it quick yeah. and easy. Yeah. Um, Hammonds, how? Where is Jay Day? Uh he'd just be home. He would be. The honest answer is, we can. I um, don't disagree. I'm not arguing with Mattel at all. But I, I don't even complain about j Day not being here anymore. He's married in America. He's he's he'd be having Thanksgiving and he'd be getting ready for his next tournament, um, in the states, which is probably going to be the QBE Shootout next week. Yep, that's where he is. Cool. Um, next, Scotty Carter. Uh, does Scott Hend have a point? Uh, Pros hmm. and cons of having separate women's and men's events. So, just for people that don't know, Scott Hend uh, was labeled probably unfairly in that he was being sexist by saying the women shouldn't be playing with the men. But his point was no, I'm not being sexist. They just should be, they're both very big and strong events in their history and they should be held on separate events because they are such big and historical events. Which hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with his, um, I don't disagree with where his line of thought, but I I think that moving forward, I think it's essential to have them on the same
0: for the future of golf, let alone women's golf in this country. Mm. Yeah, we we are quick to chastise the administrators for you know being boring and not doing things different, and you know we hold the Vic Open up as as a highlight and world standard and world leading. Um, so they try and do something on the biggest two tournaments, and then. You know, people think that we're trying to pull that down and, and he wasn't, but, hmm. you know, I would lean towards the marketing side of the game of golf in Australia and doing things different and pushing the boundaries and challenging the status quo and leading um, in trying to create a new level of interest for the game here, but also globally for the eyeballs that it draws to those two golf courses, as we said before, them looking the best. So, you know, I don't, I don't, think anyone's expecting it's going to be absolutely perfect but you know someone i read today someone made the reference to the you know the, the success over the longer term of the australian open tennis exactly and how it's integrated now it's a different kettle of fish you know they're playing at the same venue they're playing on different courts and it's tennis is built around that whether it's men's tournament or women's tournament it's a tournament of tennis and two people hitting a ball over the back of a net golf's a bit different um you know, in terms of it has to be played at the same time and, you know, getting the volume of people and all that sort of thing. But, you know, I think they're using that as a catalyst for how successful it's been for the game of tennis, but how successful it's been for one part of Australia, i.e. Melbourne, which gets a massive influx of people at that time of year. I see that when people come to Melbourne for the tennis, because a lot of tennis players are golfers. They come and see us at Drummer Golf and we know that it brings people into golf shops. And that's the tennis tournament we know yeah. that when the president's cup was on now it's sort of different you know we're going away from the men and the women but when big events are successful they bring people in
1: yeah and i think the women's event if it was a standalone will grow but it won't grow exponentially but as a, a dual event um fast forward a few years from now if you can get the quarter sisters and some big names coming out because this is the place to play um, it only helps both It only helps it become You know Something that could be World class for a long time and, and get Big big players out For a
0: long time Both from men and women's side It's just enjoyable To be around the golf tournament With the men and the women Getting around And watching it uh, From a spectator From being in You know A little bit closer Than most people Get to see that And just sort of Listening into the conversations It's 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 a positive I agree um, AB2388 Who will be in town This week for,
1: for the um For the golf from SA I think Um, does everyone like the idea of the party hole? Liked it and gives it atmosphere. Um, I've never really been fussed about the party hole, but to be honest, watching it this weekend in Brisbane, I I quite enjoyed it. Um, It was amazing how some of the players uh, concentrated because, yeah, come afternoons, the the boys and girls in there have had a skinful and they're pretty quiet when you're over a putt, but there's still just general chit-chat going the whole time and music blaring the whole time. But, um, yeah, as soon as you let go of the putt or let go of the shot, they're screaming, and then they really are barking at you for the golf ball. But it, I've obviously never been to uh, TPC Scottsdale. Um, but, yeah, I felt a bit like that's that was like a mini version of that last week. So I'm not sure whether they've got one this week. But um, I actually didn't mind it.
0: It it was you know, same same but different. Yeah, doesn't it's it doesn't offend me like mm. it. I'm not saying no, you know, like it's it, I, it's fine. It's fine if that if that brings some enjoyment to some people and and makes them want to go and participate and and it shows you know people that golf is fun and golfers on a golf course aren't robots and can have fun. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah,
1: that was it for the questions for this week. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that uh, that's a pretty long podcast. Uh, we've got the Vic, uh, sorry, the Vic. We've got the Oz Open review. We've had David Evans, and we've just talked at length about the Oz Open. Uh, we might try and catch up and, and do something maybe on Friday. We can do something via the phone with each other standing there on the range or something like that. Let's see how that goes. Yep. Um, we've got the giveaways for the Cathedral Invitational tickets, two of them, and the hats. We've got the Cameron Smith. How ha- how many people want a Cameron Smith autographed hat like this? Is one hundred fiftieth Open winner. That's got to be highly valuable. You've got to like share and subscribe to. Yeah, be I could sell it, but I won't sell it. I'll give yeah, it away. We could you could package it up with some cheese and well, <laughs> That's that, The value. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. We've had some fun. You know, we we take this very seriously, but we try and have some fun. And uh, and the feedback is all down to you. The questions, the people that thank us for doing this the people that say do it better the people that say do it more often the people that say any level of feedback we appreciate um mike i appreciate you joining us uh rocket um i'm still going to play your music because even though you're not here rocket um rocket couldn't join us he was busy uh we'll see you next week enjoy the uh we'll see you next time we podcast it might not be next week it might be this week uh enjoy the oz open and uh if you see us down there give us a wave um Maybe there's an extra entry. If you get a selfie with Mike Caridi or myself down there, if you <laughs> if you pull us aside and say, hey, I'm a listener, give us a That's selfie it. and you post it. There's maybe a couple of extra entries for the uh, cathedral tickets and the signed Cameron Smith, the, the dozen 59 the, balls and the <laughs> and the Caddy Snacks. Um, There'll
1: be a lot of very bold men with beards getting very annoyed getting
0: asked for photos at the golf How embarrassed are we going to be next time we talk and say no one asks for selfies? No one knows who we are, mate. <laughs> No one knows. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the My Love of Golf podcast.